0: On Hello and welcome. This is Karen Modokitis and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Today, we're going to talk about stopping settling, stopping the whole as good as it gets. But before I do that, I want to talk about the 90s, just for a moment, bear with me, especially for those of you who are younger, the millennials who may think, Corinne, the 90s. So the 90s were kind of my coming of age. I was in college or then afterwards and then starting my relationship with my husband. And back in the 90s, I loved, 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 going to the movies. I just thought it was so fantastic that I could go to the movies on a school night because in my town, Tuesday nights for college students was cheap night. So I would just go to the movies all the time. There was a time in my life that there wasn't a movie I didn't see, except for maybe like horror films, you know, the genres that I didn't like, but I loved movies. I would go all the time. And then I remember we would go to blockbusters like, oh, but we've seen that. Oh, but we've seen that it wasn't fun to go to blockbusters with us because we'd just about seen everything cuz we went to the movies a lot so now we're in this different century and it's 2019 and things are really different i don't really go to the movies it's rare that i go to movies and i'll see an occasional movie i just saw captain marvel that was a great fantastic i love the marvel comics and so seeing movies is more rare i really like tv shows i like the longevity of it which kind of makes sense because I like long term relationships. (laughs) So I like long term television shows. So for me, movies just aren't so much my thing. Again, I'll go occasionally. Saw Captain Marvel was great. I want to go see some of the RBG movie that now I'm going to have to wait until it comes out on digital demand so I can watch that. But before I go into today's show, I want to talk about one of my favorite TV shows that has occurred in the past. I don't know, it's probably since November and those close to me know about this because I've talked about it quite a bit, not talking about it so much because I've blitzed through the, I think of five seasons or four seasons of it, but it's this show Outlander. And here's why it's important for me to talk about it because sometimes like when I really love something, I don't give myself permission to just like love it, you know, like, oh, well that's kind of ridiculous and I start to judge it and I don't own it and I just really love Outlander. And I'm really practicing myself of owning the things that I love and it's okay if you don't love it and it's okay if other people don't love it. Like I love it. I really enjoyed it. It was a great series and now I'm reading the book and I'm enjoying it. And giving ourselves permission to enjoy the things that light us up is part of letting go of this living, this life of settling where we go, Oh, it's just as good as it gets. So the backstory in Outlander is, I think I'd heard about it or saw some friends posting about it on Facebook. And so somehow I made this decision, I don't even remember, but to record it on my DBR. And so all of a sudden in the fall, I was kind of looking, I'm like, I've got about 30 hours of television on my DVR. What am I going to do with it? But I had my other shows that I watched and whatever, and it was just sitting there and I didn't really worry about it. And then that day happened that you may be able to relate to where I was all caught up in my shows. And there was no new show. And that is when I don't like, because then it's that brain juice I have to spend of, what do I want to watch? What's there? Versus when I know, oh, this is the show that I watch and I go through and I go through the series. So I don't have to use a whole lot of brain juice. I go turn it on and I watch the show. So I'm in this new space of, oh crap, what's the new show I'm going to watch. So I started watching Outlander and I was like, huh, I don't know kind of got through half the episode. Mm, I don't really know. Now, the other thing I know about myself is I have a lot of resistance for new things. So I was like, well, and then again, I had this void to fill because I didn't have any shows. So I kind of went back to it and then it happened. And I was like, oh no, 1700s, that is not my thing. I don't do the 1700s. I'm not going to be watching the show. So I just kind of decided Like, I don't know what everybody else is raving about. Like, I don't get it and I need to stop. And at the time, my family wound up going up to Tahoe with some friends and we were sitting around the camp, not the campfire, but the fire in the family room and we're chatting away. And I knew one of my friends, I knew my girlfriend really liked Outlander. And I said to her, I go, yeah, you know, I was trying to watch Outlander. (laughs) And she looked at me and snarled and was like trying what do you mean trying? Like she was in such disbelief, like trying, like, of course you're going to love it. And why aren't you through it faster? So that kind of rekindled like, well, maybe I need to give it another shot. And I even tried to tell her, I was like, like, no, I, I don't do the 1700s. That's like, not my thing. I'm not interested in it. I just don't do it. There's too much dirt. I just don't do it. And she just kind of looked at me with her like nose kind of lifted up. So anyways, I had this void to fill, go back home, I had this void to fill, and I had some time off, which kind of increased the void, right? Because I wasn't working so much, the holidays were happening, and I started to watch it. Oh my gosh, I fell in love with Outlander. I fell in love with this time period. It was phenomenal. I just loved it. It got to the point though, where I often say compassionate people have boundaries. I wasn't having boundaries because I'm a person who tends to like to go to sleep around, you know, 10:15 to 11, 15 at the latest. I was staying awake until two or three in the morning. It was getting ridiculous, but I did love that show. And then I finally had to say, I can't watch it you know, I have to limit how much I watch or I have to limit how close I watch it to bedtime because I would get too engaged or I get too scared and then I would just get wired and stay up. So, anyways, if you haven't seen Outlander, I love, love, love it. I've always been a fan of time travel. It's great. And I love the story of the characters involved and the people. And it also just reminds me of how resilient we are as humans and the things that I may think is difficult, not that we need to have trauma Olympics, but that we can be resilient and we're not defined by our falling down moments and we can get back up and build the life that we want. So if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Hopefully I'm going to be able to get my husband to watch it again with me at some point, because I don't know about you, but I'm not, I don't have a very good memory when it comes to um, movies and television shows I watched and then eventually it's out and I forget. So that's what I'm hoping to have happen. And the nice thing is, is that I won't have so much fear of like, oh no, this bad thing's going to happen because I'll know how things will work out. So love, love, love it. It's one of my favorite things. So for today though, I want to talk about settling for as good as it gets. And again, going back to the nineties, there was this movie in 1997. So while I loved so many movies out there. And I just love them. I mean, really was like harsh critic about not liking them. I was like, "Oh, I'm at the movies. This is awesome. That's amazing. I just love them. But there was this one movie, and it was with Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, and I couldn't stand it. So if you remember this movie, it was called "As Good as It Gets." Oh. Like I did not like that movie and it was so disappointing because it was about people who were settling for a good enough life. That's what I remember. I probably could go back and watch the movie, but I don't really want to. So it was this idea of, you know, settling for as good as it gets. And I just hated that movie. And isn't it interesting, the movie that I hated is the one that I'm still talking about in 2019. Not all the ones that I loved. We don't remember those things. It's the stuff that trigger us. And the reason this movie triggered me is because as good as it gets was my life. And I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to have this mirror of, oh, this is my life. I've settled. Here are these people in my life that I've collected They don't really know me because I haven't really allowed them to know who I am and I'm being who I believe they want me to be or who I need to be to fit in. And I don't really enjoy being with them because we have differences of opinions, but we're not allowed to have the differences. So I collected people. They just happened to be a part of my life and they were who I did stuff with. And it was just as good as it gets. It's like, well, at least I have people to go hang out with. At least I have this same things with jobs, right? I was just settling. Sometimes it was about for me of doing what I was supposed to do because it looked good on paper and maybe it was the responsible thing to do. Does that sound familiar? I did it because others told me like, Corinne, of course you're going to do that. Why wouldn't you? And I would have so much shame because I would immediately go to, oh, see, I'm a bad person because I want something different. And they would then go on and tell me Corinne, you are so lucky to have what you have. And I would sit there in misery and go, hmm, this is not what I want. And I was miserable. And so part of it was that this I settled because I listened to other people's opinions instead of my own. And then the problem that happened with As Good As It Gets is that over time, I didn't even know what my opinion was because I was always thinking, well, what would so and so think? What would so and so think? Oh yes, they think I should be doing this. Oh yes, they should think I should be doing this. then it eventually became, oh, well, they know so much more than I do. They know better than I do. So think about that relationship that I was cultivating with myself instead of if I would ask myself, well, Corinne, what does my heart, what does my soul, what does my brain want? what do I believe is possible for me in my life? And when you are a girl, when you have that little girl's voice in the back of your head, who believes that you're, for me, it was, I believed I was a loser from loser street. So I was like, well, this isn't all that great. This isn't really what I want, but you know, who am I to complain? This is as good as it gets. It's really not all that bad. So I give you that, like pay attention to what's going on because you don't have to settle. What you need to do is get clear on what it is that you want. What you need to do is to pursue what it is that you want. So the beauty is, is that these days, most of my clients do work that they want to do that they love, and they also have a life outside of work that they love. Now, here's the thing. This wasn't how they came to me right? And it's not that we left a job to go find something better or left a relationship to go find something better because while we may think the grass is always greener on the other side, often the obstacles are within us. So for them, it's about creating the situations that they want. It may be my clients tend to be overachievers. It's like, oh, let me just overwork. Let me overwork. And then I'll be happier. And there'll be less done. There'll be less emails. That doesn't happen, right? The emails are always growing. So they then settle into letting work take over their life and dominate their life, believing, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. AKA, this is as good as it gets. So years ago, I had this client who was a PhD candidate in Stanford in engineering. And he came to me because he had the story that he wasn't disciplined. And he'd also been working at his company for about 15 years as an engineer. And my thing was, that is the definition of discipline, right? PhD candidate, being an engineer for 15 years, doing this work, raising a family, that is disciplined. But he had this story. And so we had to get through what that story was about. And it wasn't that he wasn't disciplined. He actually was in a position that wasn't aligned with his strengths, wasn't aligned with his value. So it was about shifting him over into that so that he was doing work that was meaningful to him and also creating value within the company. It wasn't leaving the company. It was just making a shift. Sometimes it can be an actual physical job shift, or sometimes it's also about how do we choose to see our jobs? And so by doing that, he was actually starting to realize like, oh, I am disciplined. Here's the work that I do. And this is the value I do. The next shame trigger came about was, well, Corinne, I should be a director. With my experience and with my education, I should become, I should want to pursue being a director. So I was like, okay, great. Do you want to be a director? And immediately, absolutely not. That's not what I want. That's my mom's dream. Now, here's the thing. He's in his 50s at this point, right? And we do that. We forget that we are the leaders of our lives. So we can be, I'm 46, he's in his 50s. I can be 46 and revert back to my six year old self or my 10 year old self. When I was the person who was valuing all these people's opinions, even though I was in my 20s and early 30s, I was acting like I was six years old. You tell me what you think I should do instead of, well, Corinne, what is your opinion? What is it that you want to do? What are you willing to do in being the adult in my life? So we had to get really clear for him of, do you want to be a director? Is this something that's lined up with what you want? And after a while, he got really clear. He actually loved his life. Now that we got him in this better position, not in terms of the ladder per se, but a better fit with his skill sets, his values, and the strengths that he has with the work that his company needed, there was much better alignment. He enjoyed this work and he also enjoyed not being at that director level for him. That wasn't work that he wanted to do. Some people may think that, oh, so you're settling because you're not continuing to climb up the career ladder. For him, that wasn't the case. For him, actually, had he climbed up that career ladder, that would have been settling because he would have been living according to somebody else's terms. It could be within his company. It could be with his mom's values. And for him, he wanted to go to work and do the work that he loved and be compensated for and compensated well. And then he wanted the freedom to be able to travel with his family. They traveled quite a bit throughout the year and ability to enjoy life with his kids and watch his kids grow up. So here's the thing that's really important is that this is not a traditional success story, right? Because we tend to view quote success as climbing the ladder, becoming the director, getting in the C-suites, whatever it may be, but you get to define what success looks like. When I was that young coach in the nineties, I thought, Ooh, I want to be badass female swim coach that is, you know, on the national team. I want to coach at that level. I want to prove to the world that women can coach at that level. So here's the thing. I got clear after a couple of years, that was absolutely not what I wanted for a variety of reasons. One being, I don't even like to travel that much. And especially back then, I'm much more open to it now, but back then I really didn't like to travel. And that's not something I'm interested in. So, for me, that would be settling, even though it would be quite the climb to get there, right? That's not what I want. So, really getting clear of what it is that you want versus what is it that society is telling you you're supposed to have or somebody else is telling you you're supposed to have, because that can be another way of us settling, even though it looks really good because it looks like we're succeeding, we're pursuing that next level. So, letting go of as good as it gets. It's not about diminishing our achievements. It's about getting clarity of what a success. So somebody might say, well, Corinne, you don't want to be a national team coach. And now you coach, you know, six to eight year olds. See, you really diminished your achievements. You, did, you didn't pursue what you wanted. Actually, I love coaching six to eight year olds right now. And through the years I've coached different age groups and I've liked the different age groups that I've coached. And right now I'm back to six to eight year olds. And I love that. And at some point I want to change that up too, because I like to have that change. The big thing that I know is that for me, coaching college versus running a youth community based swim team is that I get to work with families for like 10 years, which I think is like one of the highest privileges, highest honors around that I have these families that trust me and I get to watch these kids grow up. I love that. I get to be a part of their story or not even for me to be a part of, but I get to watch them grow and change and challenge themselves and overcome stuff. And one of the things I didn't like about the college is that I'd only have them for a short bit of time and then they get someplace, and then we can evolve to the next level. So I love that constant involvement where we get to the next level versus just doing the initial hard onboarding that occurs in a college. And then they trust you. In a college situation, you know, there may be resistance and then you finally get them on board and then next thing you know, they're graduating and you're like, uh, now I've got to go restart it. So the nice thing about when I coach little kids is I get a longer term duration. Settling can be doing the big important job that you believe you're supposed to do. And it also can be on the other end. It's always a continuum. It can be doing the job that you hate doing, but you're doing it because you're like, well, what else would I do? and maybe it's not a big important job, but maybe it pays good enough money for you to live the life that you want. And you don't believe you deserve any better. So you're like, well, this is as good as it gets. I get benefits. So why rock the boat? Right? Don't sell yourself short. We don't want to get into as good as it gets because here's the thing. It sucks. Living your life as good as it gets is draining. Over time, you're going to dim your own light. Over time, You're going to create a relationship with yourself where you lose yourself. Remember me? I had other people's opinions over my own. I didn't know what it was that I believed in. Living from a place of as good as it gets also means that you're going to stop believing in your dreams. And that's not the place we want to be. We want to have dreams. Because when you stop believing in your dreams, you stop pursuing your next evolvement. We are on this journey to evolve to the next version of ourselves and on this journey to evolve and become the best version of who we can be. And my best version of who I am now is different than my best version of who I was when I was 40 or 30 or 20. I've been constantly evolving. We want to evolve. We are hardwired to evolve. So when we stop believing in our dreams and believing that our dreams are possible for ourselves, we stop our involvement. So the arenas that we can live this as good as it gets can be our career, it can be our marriages, it can be relationships, any of this stuff, like think about this. So here's for an example, instead of just thinking about the career let's think about marriages. Maybe you want more connection in your marriage. I have clients that come to me for this, right? Or they don't come to me, but this becomes the byproduct of their work actually. And so you're kind of settling like, okay, this is as good as it gets. We get along, we don't really fight, you know, or maybe you have like good values and you're treated kindly, but then something's missing. And you're like, well, it's as good as it gets. We've raised a family and now we're together and I don't want to get a divorce. And it's not black and white, like either you're all in or you're all out. But if there's a gap between what you have and what you want, it's about closing that gap. And it's not about closing the gap from a place of let me sacrifice myself or give up what I want, but making clear decisions about how to close that gap. What are the things that you can do? So from a compassionate observer viewpoint is noticing what's missing from a place of curiosity, not like a place of blame, but what's missing? What is it that I'm noticing that I have a desire for that's not happening in this relationship? No need to go and blame your spouse. That's not what the point is. And that's what I used to do. It's not about blaming your spouse. It's about noticing what you're missing. And then from there going, what would I be willing to create? What would I be willing to create in this relationship? And then from there, now you have an idea and then you go and present it in a courageous conversation. And again, it's not about telling our spouse, well, you do this wrong and you do this wrong and that's why I'm unhappy. It's about saying, Hey, look in our relationship, here are the things that are amazing. And I'm so appreciative. And here's the area that I find missing, or I would, you know, love to close the gap. Maybe it's, you would like to have more connection. Maybe it's wanting to have weekly date nights and saying, Hey, would it be possible? I would just like to spend some time talking with you, getting to know you. Our kids are about to leave the house. Let's go and connect. Let's go have a dinner. Let's go for a walk and having that courageous conversation. And they may say, you know, I'm not interested in a date. And you say, okay, if not interested in a date, what else could we do to create that connection? So maybe it's not going out to dinner because some people don't like to go out to dinner. Could it be going for a walk? Could it be going to a movie? And is that going to be suffice the connection or is that going to just create the parallel lives? So you ask for what you want and then you have to be willing to practice. You have to be willing to fail at it as well because you're going to practice and you're going to fail and you're going to fall down. And it's not if you fail, it's you will fail. And the thing is, is that do not define yourself or the marriage of, Oh, see, it's over, Corinne, right? It's not we can get ourselves back up because we have to be willing to practice some more and be willing to tweak and create variables. Or you go, Oh yeah, I thought I wanted to go out to dinner every week, but actually that's a bit of a nightmare. So how about we go out to dinner twice a month and then the other two times, either we do stuff with friends or we do stuff with our family, or we go for a walk. There's many different things that you can do, right? So you start to tweak as you get more clear about what it is that you want to do. So now I want you to look at an arena in your life where you notice that there's a ton of this is as good as it gets. And is that how you want to live in that arena? Like, well, this is as good as it gets. It kind of sucks, but that's it. Or is this an area where you want to create some focused attention? Now, here's the thing, my friend. I'm not saying go and create 3 or 4 different things. Like, find one arena, Because you're going to have to overcome your own limiting beliefs about this is impossible. This is not going to happen for me. All of that stuff, the noise, the distractions, the falling down moments. So find one arena and focus on that for the next 30 to 90 days. Typically three months is a good period of time. And remember the steps are notice what's missing because that's how our brain is wired versus, and then think about, okay, with what's missing, what do you want to create? And that's a very empowering way to do it. Be willing to have courageous conversations for those that are involved. Ask for what you want. And then be willing to practice. Be willing to negotiate what it is that you want and what the other person wants. And be willing to practice. Be willing to fail. Be willing to practice some more. And then be willing to tweak as you start to get clear of, Ooh, this is what I want, or Ooh, this isn't what I want. It goes back to like one of the very simple pool games that we used to play as little kids, Marco Polo, warmer, colder, and you start to feel your way through because intellectually, you may have this idea of what it's like, and then you're not going to know until you go through and experience it. So living as good as it gets is a soul sucking state. We don't want that. And I've been there and so many of my clients, and here's the thing it's really possible for you to love your work, really enjoy it, do the good work that provides value and for you to have a great personal life. You don't have to sacrifice. It's not an either or and it's way, way better than settling. So I want you to go out and create the life you want. You know, Oprah used to say, live your best life. And, you know, why we can think, oh, well, that's cliche or sure Oprah can say it, but it is really possible for you. And what your best life may look like is not going to be what her best life looked like. What is the life that you want to have? Right, my client didn't want to be a director at his big company. I don't want to be a USA national team, you know, coach. That's not me living my best life right now. My best life is coaching six to eight year olds, doing this podcast for you, and working with the amazing clients that I get the opportunity to work with, and then having this family and friends and community that I'm a part of. That is my amazing life, and that's going to alter in the next three to five years of how that looks, just like it has throughout the past. 25 years, where my life was 25 years ago and where it is now, there's lots of differences and there are also similarities. I still have my same husband. So paying attention to what does it mean? So for you, I really invite you to do work that matters to you, that gives you meaning. And remember, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be shit storms because that's part of it. You can do meaningful work and have really hard things we're not going to have these lives where you only a hundred percent of the time are living in this place of amazing and nothing bad happens. That's just not how the world works. We're going to feel all the feelings, the great things and the crappy things and the range in between. And I often say to myself is that I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere because that's the truth. Like I can have an amazing day. And then there's those things over there that are obstacles or things I don't want to deal with or frustrations. I'm like, Oh, but it's all of it. And as I live a life that is not as good as it gets anymore, but a life that I'm a deliberate creator of, there's all of these things to experience. And then where do I want to focus? So you can create the relationships that you want in your life. You don't need to be a collector of whoever's willing to show up in your life. Remember, I was allowing this as good as it gets to get into the relationships that I had. Like, who do I hang out with? It was like, oh, because I didn't believe that people could really handle me. I'm fierce. I'm direct. I can be relentless. I'm loyal. I've got this heart that has such huge capability to love and to care. It can be scary, it can be overwhelming. I'm not a great fit for everybody. But when I was dimming myself, it came as a high cost to me, and actually to others, because they didn't get the best of me. I was dimming myself so there may have been people that if I fully showed up more, they would show up more and we would have had better connections. So I've learned that I need to fully show up, be who I am, and be deliberate about who do I want to spend time with, be willing to meet new people. Because it can be really easy to say, well, these are my people. This is who I know. And I don't need to add new people. But there was a woman that I interviewed years ago about friendships. And she says, we typically change friends about every seven years. And And I don't remember exactly, but it was, you know, we have this idea of, again, the Oprah and the Gale. They've been friends for, I don't know how many years, maybe 40 years, but we, for the most part, we typically change as we go through different seasons of life, as different priorities come about, as we shift maybe in the things that are important to us. And then there are some people that do stick around, or maybe we don't see them as frequently, but they're lifelong friends for 40 years. So paying attention that instead of being a collector of whoever's willing to show up, be a deliberate creator of the people that you want to spend time with. And then here's the other thing that's really, really important. I'll have to do a podcast on this. It's also really important that you enjoy spending time with you. Because when I was a collector of whoever I was willing to show up in my life is because I didn't want to spend time with me. So I would be, I would be willing to have access to anybody over being with them willing to be with me. And now I'm willing to be by myself and with myself in versus just allowing myself to be with anybody. So whether it's work, your marriage, partnerships, family, friends, create the life that you want. Stop settling. I've been able to stop settling. I've created the marriage that I love and there's ups and downs in it. It's not this joy, joy, yippee, yippee, skippy, right? There's ups and downs in it. It's a real marriage. It's authentic. I have relationships that I love with people and I have difficult things with people that I care about and love and I'm evolving and learning. So my friend, now it's your turn. Hey, I hear from so many listeners how much this show resonates in their lives. And if you're one of those people, you have to come check out Enough. It's my group coaching program where we take all the tools and practices that I discuss here and we apply it in our real life with support and accountability. We will integrate these tools into your life. So by the end of our time together, you are actually living them in your bones. It's not just something that's in a book that you'll eventually get to read. It's not just something that one day, it's now. And the delightful bonus for you is that there's going to be a safe community with others to connect and thrive and belong so that you can become enough. Check it out at she really does forward slash enough. That's howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough. I'd love to have you join us in enough. The next enrollment period opens April, 2019. Looking forward to having you in enough. Lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide open.